What's up, y'all? And welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Deanna, and you're tuned into Down Home Diva. Today, I'm doing a special episode of The Rewind, a series where I talk about the songs and artists who captivated us. Now, if you want to hear more, you have to stay tuned because I promise by the end of this episode, you're going to want to press rewind on some of those timeless hits. I've been trying to get Yes, if you haven't guessed it by now, we're talking about Queen L-A-T-I-F-A-H in command, the Queen, Queen Latifah. So Dana Owens, better known as Queen Latifah, was born in 1970 in Newark, New Jersey. The interesting thing about the year that she was born is that it's not too far removed from 1967, which was the time of the infamous race riots that occurred in major cities like Chicago and New York and Newark. In particular, in Newark, a Black man who was a cab driver was pulled over for a traffic violation and he was brutally beaten by two police officers. And it struck a lot of outrage in the Black community and the Hispanic community. And um, they basically rioted Newark for a few days. It was known as one of the most violent riots, race riots of the time because of the simple fact that more people died and more people were injured. Almost like 700 plus people were injured. And to this day, Newark has not fully recovered. And so from these riots, Newark developed this reputation of being kind of like a rough area to live in and things like that. But there are so many underlining issues that occurred in Newark that led to these race riots. We can go all day and talk about the history of Newark and how the Newark government had racist tendencies, but more importantly, how they were instrumental in creating some of the long-lasting negative health outcomes that we see among African-American people in Newark, New Jersey as a result of the development of the housing projects and things like that. So, I mean, Newark had already had this very, very tense racial climate in 1967, which kind of led to these riots. And Queen Latifah grew up in the aftermath of these riots. Newark had not fully recovered by then. I think in 1970, they were just getting their first Black mayor or something. So they definitely were a long way from recovery. So she grew up seeing kind of the residual effects of the Newark 1967 riots that had occurred. So Queen Latifah would grow up in what some would consider an American family. She had the brother, the mother, and the father. However, when she was a child, her mother and father divorced, which was kind of traumatic. However, as a result, she really grew closer to her brother Lance, and he became the man of the house. And we all know the narrative about how when a parent, when a family uh, gets a divorce, somehow the son becomes like the male figure in the household. So that was the same situation. However, Queen Latifah definitely acknowledged that her father still played a major part in her life. He was still very much present. He was never too far away. He was still her her role model, her father figure. He taught her a lot about the streets and a lot about social justice and things like that because that's what he was involved in. But she did start acting out in school. So her mother placed her in a Catholic school and that's where she got her first experience with theater and music. And she played Dorothy in the Wiz and that kind of like struck a chord with her. So she started doing a lot in music and singing. And she always says that singing is her first love, but rap just fed her soul. So when she got to high school, 17 years old, she started hanging out in the basements of her friends and doing like underground rapping and things like that. And she hung out with some very notable people in the hip hop game to this day. That Fry Freddy, she hung out with Shaquem. And if you know anything about Queen Latifah, her and Shaquem go way back and they still have this, you know, bond, this friendship that has definitely been long lasting. Shaquem, he's a film producer. And on top of that, he manages different entertainment groups. So Queen Latifah, she's in the basement. She's just um, doing underground rapping, just, you know, just trying to get her flow together, whatnot. And that by Freddie hears her on a track and he decides to bring that track to Tommy Boy Records. Once he brings the track to Tommy Boy Records, they immediately want to sign Queen Latifah. A queen, a queen from the start, sis. A queen from the start. So 
She is around 19 years old. It's 1989. And she is releasing her first ever album, which is major because she sells a million copies, which is crazy. So her debut album was called All Hail the Queen. And that's where she kind of developed this entire persona and everything like that. This album included songs like Wrath of My Madness, Princess of the Posse. Um, and one of the most infamous songs on that album is Ladies First that she did with Money Love. If you don't know, Ladies First is, Ladies first, ladies first, ooh, ladies first, ladies first. It's good. It's a good song. And that is when she officially takes that name, Queen Latifah. I know some of you all are probably wondering where did she get the name from? Well, she was reading a book and she saw the word Latifah, which is Arabic, and it means very kind and delicate. And in an interview, she did say that the reason why she chose that name is because a lot of people saw her as being like a tomboy and she did have these tomboy tendencies. But at the same time, she's really soft and sensitive on the inside. And so she wanted to make sure that even though she was doing this hardcore rap, she was still able to show that she was a woman and she did have this feminine energy that she wanted to showcase to the world. And I think that's a perfect way to encompass who you are. You know what I mean? And so she named herself Queen Latifah. She started going by the name and it just worked for her. I mean, she, I wouldn't say she became an overnight star because it takes a lot of work. She went through a lot of trials to get there, but in a way to some people who saw her, she's what we will consider an overnight success because she literally skyrocketed from there. There was literally no slowing down for Queen Latifah. 1989, she cuts her first track, her first album, and it sells millions of copies. She's competing. And I hate to say competing because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want her to have to compete against other women, but I mean, it's a competition. She was rapping against women like Moni Love and Roxanne Shantae and people like that who were you know, very much still well-known as female rappers at the time. So she was doing her thing to say she just got on the scene. Fast forward, there's always going to be a time in everyone's life where they have a little sunshine and they have a little rain. And Queen Latifah had a little rain because right when she started to do well, she released her second album and, you know, she's doing great, whatever. Uh, the second album didn't do nearly as well, but it was still a decent album. She was still nominated for a Grammy for one of the songs on her album. She purchases a motorcycle for her brother and unfortunately, her brother Lance died in a motorcycle accident and it really left her devastated. So she goes out and she decides that she's going to do an album, dedication album to her brother. And the album is called Black Rain. Now, Shaquem and some of the other people who worked on the album with her definitely acknowledged that although they were instrumental in helping her develop the album, Queen Latifah was really the head of this project. This was her baby. If she said something, it went. There was no disagreeing with her. And it paid off because this album has some of her most notable songs. But this album was so important because it not only went gold, but the song UNITY, which featured on the album, received rave reviews and she won a Grammy as Best Rap Solo Performance in 1995 for her song that she created on the Black Rain album. And she beat out some wonderful rappers at the time. In that category for that particular year, you had Craig Mack, you had Coolio, you had, um, I think Warren G was on the nominee list for this category and Snoop Dogg was nominated for Gin and Juice. So <laughs> come on now, sipping on gin and juice. Come on, everybody liked that song. I don't even drink gin and I want to lay back with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. I want to do that. Come on. So if you really think about it, hip hop at the time was evolving. There are so many subgenres that go under the hip hop category, but hip hop itself was evolving. You were getting gangster rap, you get Southern rap, then you get 
trap music. So it trap music had not made it to the scene yet, but there was a slow transition. If you look at that category, you have Queen Latifah's UNITY, and it was competing against Snoop Dogg's Gin and Juice. Gin and Juice versus UNITY. Those are two different songs with two different messages, two different feels. And for her to be able to win over these songs, it spoke so much to the power of Black female voices in the music industry. And it spoke to the power of female voices having the ability to be long lasting and present powerful messages in the same breath. And beyond that, if you really take a look at the life of Queen Latifah, her winning that award was just a launching pad for how she would soon alter how female artists were perceived and how all Black artists were perceived during this time. Because when she started doing shows like Living Single, she was bringing in so many new talents, not just actors, not just actresses, not just comedians. She was bringing in people like Monica. And if you don't know anything about Queen Latifah and her business acumen, she started Flavor Unit Management, where she managed Monica, Outkast, and Naughty by Nature. And she was doing a lot of this long before she received the Grammy, but it was a stepping stone to her developing her powerhouse. The thing about Queen Latifah is that even in her music, she tried to maintain this persona of being a self-possessed woman. And she showed that in her music in UNITY. She talked a lot about everything from sexual harassment to domestic violence and the hypersexualization of women in the hip hop culture and beyond. So it was not just about, you know, we in these streets, blah, blah, blah. It was definitely an album that was um, multi-layered and it talked about a lot of issues aside from the political issues um, of race and race violence that was talked about in a lot of music during this time. To have this woman come out and she's not just talking about police violence, but she's talking about the issues that women deal with. It was so different and so empowering and so and so timely and so timely. I mean, it's always a good time to talk about the issues that matter to women, but it was timely, point blank period. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at some of the lyrics that she said in UNITY. But also I want to take a look at some of her other songs that she had on this album and other albums because I want you to get a feel for every part of Queen Latifah. She had this feminine edge and this masculine edge that kind of just worked. So she wasn't just talking about the streets all the time. She wasn't just talking about um, the hypersexualization of women all the time or a domestic violence. She was she was letting people know that at the end of the day, she was a woman, okay? And that she had sex appeal too. And I just love that about her. I think it's so appealing. You and ITY, some of you might be wondering, where did she talk about domestic violence? I'll tell you the exact spot. Most people understand that you and ITY was about like objectifying women, don't do it, you know, unity. We love black men from infinity to infinity, but don't get it twisted, okay? So everybody knows that, but- the part where she talks about um, domestic violence is, I think it's in the second verse where she says, she says, I hit the bottom. There ain't nowhere else to go but up. Bad days at work give you an attitude and you erupt. So I'm already at the bottom. There is nowhere up to go. I don't have nowhere else to go from here, okay? And then you come in with your crazy self, with your attitude, and then you want to erupt on me? Oh, I've had enough. She says, you put your hands on me, I put your ass in handcuffs. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, perfect. But what I really like about this song is that she talks about codependency because that's the reason why a lot of people don't leave domestic violence situations. And I want to set the record straight because a lot of people think that domestic violence just happens to women, but it happens to men as well. It's any sexual, economic, or psychological violence that's committed by an intimate partner. I remember being in college and a lot of people didn't understand that domestic violence can be verbal a lot of times. You know, it's the things that you say. All of that can cause harm to another human being. So there you go. 
And I know a lot of people say, you know, if someone hits me, I would leave. Why don't they just leave? Well, for a lot of people, it's not that easy um, because it's not that easy because they grow dependent on that person for like financial stability and things like that. So if you're a woman and you have children and you don't have any source of income, your husband or whoever is taking care of all the bills and all the things that you need, if you leave. Nine times out of ten, he's going to take all this stuff with him. And so, like, that's threatening. That puts your life in jeopardy. And a lot of times that's used as a bargaining chip. In the song, You and I, T.Y., Queen Latifah specifically says, I guess I fell so deep in love, I grew dependency. I was too blind to see just how it was affecting me. All that I knew was you was all the man I had, and I was scared to let you go, even though you treated me bad. Come on, y'all. She was laying it out for us. She said, this is the reason why people don't leave. But let me tell you something. She says, I don't want my kids to see me get beat down by daddy smacking mama all around. Like, it's perfect. The way she says it, everything works. Even though we know she did not write all the lyrics to you and ITY, it's her tone, it's her syntax, it's her flow. It's her full delivery that makes the song so popping. She's not an Andre 3000. She doesn't have to have all these different lyrics. You don't have to pull out a dictionary to know what she's talking about because it's concise, it's clear, and she gets the message through. And that's all we can ask of an artist like Queen Latifah. She does what she has to do. So that's where you get her social activism, her her willingness to talk about the hard issues. You and ITY, perfect example of that. Then we get the street side of Queen Latifah, okay? You can talk about the song, just another day living in the hood, just another... We can talk about that all day long. But the song that I like that gives her that edginess, you know, is Black Hand Side. Now, I can't rap, but I'm going to try my best to read the lyrics. Them suckers know my name, sitting on the tip of their brains. But they ashamed, they scared to face me, yet they want to disgrace me, erase me. What? They must be freaking crazy. I'm La 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 from Halstead. Red with the queen as a prefix is off with your head. And that's a promise because I don't make threats. So mind your neck because it's about to get set. You're going to get all the vibes from listening to this song because she gives it to you. She does not play any games. She does not have steps. She's going to let you know what it is and what it is is that she's the queen. Do not come for her in these streets. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Now you got the social justice aspect in you and ITY. You get the edgy aspect in black hand side. And then one of my personal favorites is the Brandy Yo-Yo um, MC Light Queen Latifah I Want to Be Down remix. I love Brandy. I love Brandy. I love the original I Want to Be Down. But that remix, that remix, y'all, come on now. Come on now. Like it's in... It's in this song where you get that womanly, I'm still, you know, I'm still like a sexual being type of vibe, okay? So the story is that she had a completely different verse for this song. But when she heard how MC Light was coming, when she heard how Yo-Yo was coming, then she was like, oh no, I gotta bring it. And she brought it. And that's the reason why she closed the song out. It's the reason why she was the last verse because she closed the thing out right. She said, about yay short, about yay tall, about so big, about so small, about this length, about this width, about this flow, about this gift. Boom. Instinct leading me right up your alleyway. Skip the moet. Let's chill with some alizé. No stressing all day. Let me massage. Yeah, what? Come on, Dr. Seuss. She's giving me Dr. Seuss teas. She really is. But I never said it. It didn't work. It's working for her. It's working very well because I was like, I'm here with you. I hear you. I see you. I feel you. And I'm going to stay with you. You know what I mean? Now, I can try to sit here and rap it all day long, but it's not going to sound good. Y'all going to be like, what? But when Queen says it, it's a rap. It's a rap. With what you going through. Come on. Y'all sleeping. Y'all sleeping. If y'all haven't heard that verse, y'all are sleeping. 
And of course, that song was created after the Black Rain album. But let's get back to the story of Black Rain. In the middle of her doing Black Rain, the most famous album she's ever done, she was also doing the work for Living Single, which had five seasons and she was the star of her own show. If you ever watch the show, you'll see she has a necklace that has a key on it. That key was actually her brother's key to his motorcycle. She also had done some work with Spike Lee in Jungle Fever in 91. So she was getting into the acting world. She did a movie, Set It Off, if you're familiar, that came out in 1996. So she was on the roll for a couple of years. Just She kept going. She was rolling with it. She truly owned her feminine energy and her masculine energy. And people are definitely caught off guard by someone who can do that. Feminine energy is like the part of you, I hate to say it, is like more delicate. I wouldn't say submissive. I would say delicate, more, you know, calmed. So it's like, oh yeah, go ahead and get your point across. I'll listen. I'll wait. Have you ever thought about this? That's a feminine energy. A masculine energy is like, let me tell you something. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. You know what I mean? Queen Latifah had that balance. Like she's not this dainty woman whatsoever, but she brings an elegance and a regalness that she owns. And that's what makes her so special, you know? And she's gone so far in her career. Um, aside from you and why she did the movie Set It Off. She did um, her own stuff. You know, people don't like Taxi. She did Taxi. She does a lot of romantic comedies. Um, one of my favorites is Just Right. I love Just Right. And I love Last Holiday. And she's also done some good things like Chicago. And she's and she's done musicals, plays. She's done her, She has her own talk show. But on top of that, she also um, has been nominated for an Oscar. And she won an Emmy for her portrayal of Bessie Smith in the movie Bessie, which you all definitely need to watch because... That's good. So this woman is half of an EGOT, okay? She has her Emmy. She has her Grammy. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets an Oscar. I wouldn't be surprised if she eventually gets a Tony. And I don't think it's far off in the future because that's how um, talented and multifaceted she truly is. And that's how well she's been able to fold herself into these different mediums. So Queen Latifah, by all means, um, is a one of a kind because she's been able to almost effortlessly cross over into the different mediums. And in addition to wearing all of these hats, she has maintained this down home persona, regardless of the obstacles. So a lot of you might be wondering, why did you name your podcast Down Home Diva? Like down home does not mean simple to me or simple minded. What down home means to me is that you're your most authentic self. And for Queen Latifah, she hasn't tried to be anybody but herself. She's been very authentic. Um, there haven't been many scandals about Queen Latifah. She had a couple of scuffles, you know, as anybody would have. But altogether, she has been consistent throughout her entire career. And that's something to commend. She never forgets her roots. She always pays respect to other female artists in the game. She always honors her mother and her father and honors the legacy of her brother. Um, and she's garnered this ability to speak her mind in arenas that are not as welcoming of her opinion. And she comes out victorious. I mean, you can check out um, her interview she recently did. I think it's on like the Today Show or something. She did an interview where she talked about how Gone with the Wind needs to be gone for good. And she talked about the legacy of Hattie McDaniel and, and all the things that Hattie McDaniel went through in winning her Oscar. You know, so she has definitely stood the test of time, you know, with an unapologetic attitude. And that is definitely an attribute of a queen. And so big ups to Queen Latifah for 
being a person of of substance in a world that is always changing. At the end of the rewind, I'm always going to give you my personal, personal in-depth feelings about why I love the artist or the song so much. And I think for me, I'm 23, so I didn't grow up in the age of Quincy. I didn't grow up in the age of Janet Jackson, but a lot of people look up to Janet Jackson. A lot of people look up to like Beyonce and I like Beyonce too. Um, And a lot of people look up to, you know, all these different people. For me, one of my first ever role models, one of the first people that I really, really looked up to and admired was Queen Latifah. I remember when she was in the movie, The Secret Life of Bees, and my mom always made me read the book before I could watch the movie. So I had The Secret Life of Bees by Suman Kid as a book in fifth or sixth grade. And I remember making sure that I didn't get the cover of the book tattered. So I would like tape the book and things like that because I didn't want the book to get messed up, the front cover to get messed up because it had like a picture of Queen Latifah and Jennifer Hudson and all these different people. And I just love Queen Latifah so much that I took really good care of that book. Like I put duct tape on it to like cover it up, y'all. That is how much I loved Queen Latifah. I loved her. She didn't fit into this mold of being like the typical woman that you see in the media all the time, but it just teaches you a lesson about being yourself and being the best version of yourself because no one can do you like you, you know? Big ups to Queen Latifah for for being the queen. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Down Home Diva. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Rewind. And if you want to hear more from me, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at the DH Diva or on Twitter at D-E-E underscore estimated. That's D underscore estimated. So go ahead and follow those pages because that's where I'll post any type of playlist for The Rewind and I'll give you updates on what's coming up next. Thanks again for tuning in to Down Home Diva. And as always, continue to be your down home self. Talk to you later. Bye.